I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Matthew. He's a little person. Let's talk about it. Well, this is going to be really fun. We're, we're sitting down with Matthew August Jeffers, um, uh, and and you know, before we actually like get into it, uh, Matthew's an actor, and uh, we were just watching um, we were watching the the latest film that Matthew is a part of, uh, Unidentified Objects, and I really didn't want to come do the interview because I was so compelled by the movie that I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, I want to <laughs> yeah. keep watching this. Yeah. Uh, and and we we had to end it like we had to we had to pause it halfway through. We paused it on one of the uh, one of the cooler scenes I've seen in a film in a long time. I don't want to give away spoilers. It actually it reminded me of uh, in grade eight. I had this um, class called band music option, and you either did band, you did music, or you did option. And option uh, was oh. different based on whoever your teacher was during that period. <clears throat> and that my fun. teacher like was the coolest fucking teacher. We watched the original Star Wars trilogy, and that's it oh, for wow. the entire class. So that's fantastic. So every class we started with episode four, and um, we started watching through. And the class was like thirty minutes long. And then the end of class would come, and we just stopped the movie right where. <laughs> Wherever, wherever you, you were, left, wherever you That's were, and amazing. then and it was such a bummer that all would the make, time because it always had to end yeah. right at the bell, bell. So like it wasn't, you know, you could never anticipate whether it was going to be in in the middle of the climax scene. Where, <gasps> and yeah, so, so that's and that where, just happened. To that's us. where we find ourselves right now, sitting down <laughs> with Matthew. Uh, although I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, sound like a prick, Matthew. I'm actually really happy we get to talk to you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the reason we get to talk to you today is because uh, you are you are a little per, a little person. Uh, you're an actor, and uh, we've been so fortunate to have uh, a couple of uh, little people on the show over the past, and it's always been a really lovely conversation. Um, but uh, before we go any further, Matthew, please introduce yourself to our listeners and give us a little bit of insight into who Matthew August Jeffers is. Yeah, well, first, I want to go back to the Star Wars really fast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah please yeah. do. So it's, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's true. Um, the, the, the first and, and really only like, you know, quote unquote, COVID, uh, quarantine activity, uh, noteworthy activity that I did with my partner was in the first, you know, first week we watched, um, the entire Star Wars project and that neither. And and what was so special is that neither Leah was 30 and neither Leah or I had ever seen. uh, (gasps) Now, hold on. Can I ask you, did you watch just the films or did you, did you go like, we're going to do the Mandalorian. We're going to fucking like, (laughs) we're going to do, you know, like uh, rogue one. Like, did you do all, all of it? So no, no, we, we, uh, we, we did, we did a little bit of research. Um, and I think we decided to watch it from the chronological order. Oh yes. You, yes. That's the way to do it. Yeah. That's the way to do it. 
yeah, that that was kind of the consensus from from my Google searching. Yes. That, that Google, you know, is like, uh, and I think I think it was the right choice. Um, I, yeah. what, what was your what, what was your what was your looking at like watching the uh, I guess it would be episode four, New yeah. Hope, New yeah. Hope. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. When you saw when you saw that, because you know I saw that when I was like. I can't remember. I mean, I would have been probably under 10 years old. So like visually I was like, this is so incredible. And then when you, when you watch it, when you watch it as an adult, having all the development that's happened in film and and effects and all that stuff, I, I I look at it and I go, well, the remastered version is pretty fucking unreal. Yeah. Like I I feel like it, I feel like it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty good, but at the the same time, it's not, it's nowhere near what it was. What, like watching that from like a, like the creative aspect of it and the visuals and everything, did you find like that was hard to watch at all or, or were you right into it? No, you know, truthfully, I, I think I think I had a similar experience uh, watching the the older uh, Star Wars um, that I had with uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, which I also watched um, for the first time a few months ago. Oh wow! Yeah. Never seen I'm, it. Uh, Never I'm, seen it. I'm, yeah, me neither. I'm, 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 I'm a late bloomer with with uh, must see. Uh, yeah. Films, but um, there's this running joke. I have a <laughs> I have a. Uh, there's this running joke in my in my high school crew where um, I was always like way too late with with news and with seeing things. I remember when when Brett Favre announced his retirement. I think it was like a week after it happened. We were hanging. I was like, guys, did you hear Brett Favre is retired? <laughs> and it was like, from then on, it, it was just like, oh, Matt is always way. Yeah. Everyone's like, everyone's like, we already have been, we've gone through all the stages of grief already <laughs> yeah. on that. And we're actually, we're fine with it. Did, did you now. face a lot of, um, uh, stigma in the film and acting community because you haven't what you didn't watch star Wars until you were 30. I thought you were going to say, because oh. you're a little person, but <laughs> I mean, we will, like, yeah. like, let's start with that and <laughs> then move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, actually I probably, I kept that in the closet, <laughs> but I, I'm sure that I would face a significantly harsher, more stigma um, uh, with with the Star Wars virginity than being a little person. Yes, I think like, so. For, like, for decades, <laughs> yeah. for decades, when it comes up and people yeah. are discussing Star Wars, yeah. you were like, you were like, yeah, yeah, oh, I love that. What's your favorite? <laughs> uh, 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 the, the good the, one, the one where they <laughs> with the sabers. Where they go to space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine though, because Matt like they uh, go to space. So, <laughs> so, 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 so Taylor and Jer are both um, are both big uh, film buffs, and I don't, I like really don't watch any. Brian's ever seen a film in his life. And, I mean, this uh, is the first one. Uh, unidentified <laughs> objects is the first one he started watching. These are the types of jokes I'm used to now. <laughs> but um, but I'm 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 wondering. Um, do you, I forgot what I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because you, you, you don't even me. know because you don't know you anything don't know about film movies. talk. Yeah, well, I, I, don't, I was, I was, but I was going to go back to so 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 the similar situation I had with with Star with old watching the older Star Wars and 2001: A Space Odyssey is is I I really marveled at the at at the um, technological achievement. Um, yeah. I mean, these films were like coming out in the, in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. First few, it was like 74, mid 70s. And mm-hmm. then yeah. Space Odyssey was also, I think, in, in the 70s. Um, and and or, or no, the, maybe the late 60s. Even. It, it was, I think it might have been like, yeah, it might have been like 69. Is that Stan, yeah. Stanley Kubrick? Right, it was all around the, 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 the moon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was amazed. I was yeah. amazed at, 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 and, and I was more taken by the, the first few than than uh, the ones that came out, like uh, with Ewan McGregor in 2005. Yeah, those suck. They, they really, they, they do suck. 
they, yeah, they were, they were just disappointments because they, I don't know. I think, I think they had to get uh, more clever. Um, yeah. You know, you know what I think it is? They made them for a children's audience. What what I think it is, is that when you, (laughs) I love this now just turned into a movie podcast. Um, (laughs) What what I, what I think it is, is that that's what this was. (laughs) (laughs) What I think it is, is that like nothing beats really well done practical effects. Like practical effects are are truly incredible. And when you, and and if you are going to be utilizing CGI, Utilizing CGI in tandem with practical effects is like is what really truly works. And totally. so when yeah. you have a, a movie like Star Wars or original Star Wars trilogy or or even uh, you know two thousand one Space Odyssey, the the CG there's not really much CGI. It's very it's very minimal. It's almost it's almost exclusively practical effects. And That's and they and art. and they had to go so far out of their way. You know, like that scene in two thousand one Space Odyssey when the astronaut is jogging. And he's yeah. jogging on this massive fucking hamster wheel that is the space station that they're yes, on. Yes, yes, like when yes. you see the back, when you see the, the behind the, the scenes footage of them making that, it's actually a fucking like three story giant wheel with yeah. like with consoles and computers and all that shit. Like it's it's just so wild the, what, what yeah. they were yeah. capable yeah. of doing and, and what they, you know, they don't seem to do as much anymore. Yeah. What, what, I, what I wanted to ask you is, is as so as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of movies, I feel like I still have a lot of peripheral knowledge of uh, in particular like really popular movies. So I would imagine that even if I hadn't seen Star Wars, there would probably be a lot that I know just because culturally yes. it's so yeah. you know oh, totally. popular that you just pick up so many things. Did you feel like you already knew the story going into watching Star Wars? No, because remember, I'm always decades late to everything. Right. So I, knew, <laughs> I knew very little. Um, <laughs> uh, I was very I was very ignorant to, to most of the story. I mean, I knew I knew Harrison Ford was in it, um, but that's about it. That's Who's great. Harrison Ford? That's great. Going in blind. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a that is a question that you would ask. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's rein it in here and get to the uh, the actual topic at hand. Um, uh, Matthew, you are you're a little person. Uh, it, it, you know what? Let me start with this. Let me start with the 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 uh, little bit of like a little bit of um, uh, explanation on the differences of of like labeling what it is that you live with. One of the things that we that I heard when, while we were watching the film, your, your character Peter um, is expressing how he 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 refers to himself as a dwarf. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there is there is there a difference? Like, where does LP come in versus dwarf? Like, are they interchangeable? The yeah. the language based around that is is like one more preferred than the other is one more is is you know is dwarf considered like derogatory yeah um you know it's (laughs) it's actually a good question that unfortunately i can't give you a definitive answer on i can only speak for my experience and and my personal preferences um i mean the only thing that i can really offer like like concretely is that uh midget is 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 the is the word that that kind of makes my hair you know, it makes the hair stand up on, on my back. Mm, yeah. um, I have hair on my back, but, um, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the one that, that, you know, it would, it would, it would make me sad if someone called, called me that. Um, yeah, and, and actually it's really interesting that you ask because if you, as you continue to watch, uh, the film, there's a really, really powerful scene in a bar, um, uh, where my character meets this, this, uh, stranger and they have this conversation actually. Mm. Um, he said like, you know, what do you, what do you consider, what do you call yourself? And I say a little person and, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, it, it's a really, it's a really 
um, it's a really powerful scene, um, and it was powerful to shoot um, because I'm ambivalent on 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 this answer. But I personally say little person. I mean, I'd say little person. I have dwarfism, right? So like, mm. I'm a I'm a little person. I have dwarfism mm. versus mm-hmm. like I'm a dwarf. But mm. but if like if you said if you said hey we're sitting here today with Matthew Jeffers who's who's a dwarf, I would be like green yeah, light. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, um, does that offer, does that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's like a, it's a, I think it's in, in this, in this, in this like social, like climate and age that we live in where, where we like words have words, power have, have very, have like very much so come to the forefront and we're being touch and go. Yeah. yeah, And we're, and we're being like constantly, we're, we're constantly up to, we're in this like very, I feel like we're in a very, very like fluid uh, social structure where we are we are kind of becoming more aware of the power of words and the power that our words have on other people and what words may like el- elicit certain feelings and and because you know sometimes people can use words you, you know like like you you know you say the word midget makes your hair stand up and it's like that there are people out there that might use that word and not have the intention that that would be really bad because like for whatever reason in their community, that was like the, that's the word and they yeah. don't really say it. And then yes. we, we tune people into like, Hey, this makes me feel this. And like, that yeah. is considered X, Y, Z in, in, in whatever the community of little people or yeah. w- whatever. And it's important to, it's important to, to, to get the perspective from, you know, from the proverbial horse's mouth yeah. of going like, how, how does, how do words how do words come across? Yeah. I think that's just. Yeah, but, don't, but don't call him a horse. Though. But, but, you know, I said you don't have to call him a horse. proverbial. Yeah, yeah. Proverbial. I mean, but, 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 like, but also, you said you mentioned you used the word fluid, but I would also say precarious. Mm-hmm. Very precarious time we're living in right now, where um, I would, I, I encourage uh, communities and people to, uh, to trust that people lead more with their heart than yeah. anything else. Yeah. And that mm. most. Most of the overwhelming majority of people on the planet are do not aim to make other people feel bad, do not aim to put other people down. And so um, I think I think in, in our society that touts in 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 culture and on TV and in, in social media that touts kindness and and love, mm. um, that when someone makes a hiccup inadvertently people don't lead with love and understanding. Mm, they right. lead with, um, uh, um, with, with um, weaponry. Yeah, right? yeah, um, yeah. And, and so I think as, as we continue to grow and learn about each other and some of the more marginalized communities out there, I think it's, you know, for myself included, it's important to just understand that we're all like we're all in the classroom all the time. Yeah. You know, like we don't leave, we never leave the classroom. Even when, you know, after we graduate, we're always in the classroom, we're always learning. So yeah. mm-hmm. well said. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just, yeah, I just wanted to offer that fluid, but also precarious. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you can say, I mean, look at look at look at what look at what's I mean, look, it's it's hard enough being an actor, but god damn, if you're a stand-up comic right now, yeah. I mean, it's 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 it, there's blood literally blood on the streets yeah. you know oh, yeah. you you it's complicated it's yeah. complicated right now yeah. um 
Yeah, you might get slapped in the face (laughs) right on stage, you know? Or you might get tackled. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it it throws, like, it throws creative, it throws creative expression into this, uh, into this, I, I get to use the word that you used before, precarious sort of environment where, you know, you're, you're, you're expressing yourself creatively and that can have these like disastrous consequences, even though the intention mm-hmm. is not, you know, the intention is wasn't. whatever, what, what wasn't to, yeah. wasn't to do that. Um, uh, Matthew, I'm, I'm curious to know about, uh, so again, like I had said, we, we've, we've had, uh, we had a, another, we had a family on, on the show early days, um, who, who a family of, of little people and, um, uh, one of the things that I learned from that conversation, but it was so long ago, like it, it, like really years and years ago, I, I, I kind of forget. But one of the things that I learned in that conversation is that there's there's different types of dwarfism, um, and I'm wondering uh, if you could like if you could a give me a little refresher on the on the different types, but then also uh, b uh, give us a bit of insight into the the types of like the type of dwarfism that that affects you and and what that like what that consists of. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is, I mean, it's an amazing question because this is actually so incredibly um, relevant to me right now. Because when I was born with, with, uh, in 1991, um, I think there were two, uh, two, three hundred types of dwarfism, I think. Whoa. Uh, which is a lot. And then I think if, if, when I was born, it was like an effective one in every hundred, two hundred thousand births, something like that. I'll probably be corrected. Uh, by my community, but something around there. Um, so it's ex- extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was diagnosed at one, the doctors uh, t- coined it Matthew's dwarfism because they, they, I just, I didn't, I, I was kind of a square and a round hole. Like I didn't fit into anything that they, that they knew at the time. And up until like a month ago, <laughs> I said I, that I had Matthew's dwarfism because um, uh, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I just even in the even in the umbrella of dwarfism, people with dwarfism, I kind of stuck out. Um, huh. uh, achondroplasia is what is what is the most common type of dwarfism. Like the pe- most of the most of the little people that people are exposed to, especially you know movies, TV, they, they have um, achondroplasia. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I, 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 that was ruled out when I was one. And so I, I'm, I'm, so I injured my knee, long story short, I injured my knee, I fucked up my knee last year. Uh, and I'm still dealing with it. And I, there's this great hospital in New York called HSS. Um, and they actually have a special department in HSS that that's, they just deal with uh, people with dwarfism. All mm. their patients people with dwarfism, which is amazing. And I just discovered this literally in the last year. And I did a, a genetic test a couple months ago and it came back and there was like, they, you know, they, they, they uh, tested me for all of the new types of dwarfism that have, that have been discovered in 30 years since. And I, they found a match. They found a match for me. And it was like, it's just extraordinarily rare. And it was like a uh, spond- I have the paper somewhere, but it's like spondylo. Spondylo seal yeah. dysplasia. It, it's more than, it's like, it was like 10 syllables, like spinal epic steel, <laughs> something, 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 dysplasia with joint laxity. Yeah. Um, More syllables that Jer can't pronounce. Yeah. yeah I thought, and I also just made that word up. So I, like, I was just really fucking tossing shit at the wall yeah. to see what's going on. That would be awkward if I was like, yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so, so, so it's, it's, it's still, it's still, um, 
it's I don't know I no longer have Matthew's dwarfism, which I'm very sad. What, um, yeah. What was it? What was it, man? That like um, that when you were born and they looked at the type of dwarfism that you had. What was it about that type of dwarf dwarfism that made it stand out or made it different and makes it fit into this like different rare category? Um, I th- I think it was just like how like my physiological makeup, like how I was the the the, the my structure. Um, mm. Um, I, I think, you know, people with achondroplasia, they typically have, uh, um, a disproportionately sized body. So, so they have, um, disproportionate, their heads are disproportionate to their, their upper body, their torso is it. So I was, I, it was, it was complicated because it was just like, he was, he's like a miniature person. Like mm. you, I, I'm, I'm, um, proportionate, like my, like my, my body is proportionate to all of its parts. And, um, I think how, like how my joints, the way my joints were, were growing together. And then I also, uh, had a tracheotomy, an emergency tracheotomy when I was five months old, hmm. also up until recently, I did not know was related to my dwarfism. Hmm. Um, but, but it was because it, it affected, um, anywhere that there's cartilage in, in my body. That's it's, it's like, things mm. are just a little off. Things are mm. like a little screwy, which is why I messed up my knee. Um, it's interesting because when you say that, when we started watching the movie, the first few shots of you in the movie are, are yes. close-ups and, yes. and I wasn't sure if, if, if that was you on screen or if it was an, another actor. Yes. Because yes. it's hard and to it, tell on a close-up if yes. it doesn't and, look and like I, typical dwarfism. Yes. And, and actually it was an artistic choice. Juan Fe, the director, um, uh, we talked about that and I said, you huh. know, how, how we, I want to, I want to milk the reveal for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we shine mean, everything in every good films, everything in films, there's no, there are no mistakes, right? It's like, mm-hmm. there are no accidents. Oh, it was just shot that way. You know, it's yeah. like, it was very specifically shot as extreme close up because it's like, who, what is this person? And then the reveal of Winona looking down at Peter in the, in the, in the uh, creek of the door. It's like, Oh, he's what, yeah. like, and still he's covered with his mask. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, and then the reveal is like when he takes his mask off, it's like, Oh, he's a, he's, he has dwarfism. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, it was, it was curated to be kind of this, this reveal. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely noticed. Like I, I, I had that thought. You're, you're right when you say there's no mistakes in doing that. It, I, I noticed that intention mm. in that in those yeah, shots. Yeah, because like you know, a, a lazier choice or a less a less creative choice would just be to like wake. I wake up in the bed and it's this like wide shot of me standing up and immediately oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's yeah. like you know, okay, well now let's you know next scene, but. Do, do, do you find do you, in that in that creative choice? Because I'm actually drawing a comparison to something um, that that something something that stood out to me in um, in an episode. The first few episodes, I just finished watching Euphoria, and I'm totally oh. I'm totally obsessed with it. And uh, yes. I just I finished thought you were going to say Seinfeld again because <laughs> yeah. Taylor makes like no, not Seinfeld, not Seinfeld, Seinfeld, not doing any more Seinfeld references. <laughs> and and uh, and 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 when you when you're when I hear you saying that, like, is there a creative? Is there a is there an intention there at all to to create a to create a, an initial connection with the character that is like with the character versus like a, a, some type of like visual representation of the character first like you're like you meet you speaking 
and having a conversation before and, and, and acting before we are revealed to that the character is a little person. Like in the sense that there is, um, I'm, I'm drawing a comparison to this. The one of the main characters in Euphoria is a trans woman, and yeah. and you you don't actually. There, no one ever says this is a trans woman, like right. in, until like three episodes in, and it's said like in passing. It's not like se- it's not sort of like central. So like you're right. not creating these ideas in your head about this person based mm. on this one thing. Like the character is sort of central first before like the the ideas or the intellect of the character is central first before yeah. the like before what this you know these kind of like I guess judgments that we can put on people when we kind of put start putting them in boxes like social boxes <clears throat> yeah it's a, it's a great question i i think i follow like all of the 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 nuances of that question um and there, and there's a couple of things that come to mind because it's such a good question um i think in the context of the film right like i i i i think that it's very interesting to watch a person that kind of bulldozes past the initial quote unquote shock value of seeing someone who is just different on screen, Mm. right? Like the way my character is first introduced, he's just plowing through his apartment. He gets out and and really is off to the races being a complete asshole. And you're like, you're, you're kind of put on your back foot because you're not, you don't really, you're not given time as an audience member to digest this new image, this new person, this new Mm. type of being on your screen. It's just like into the story. And then only later, like, Mm. like you said, and you've only later does it, does it give enough space where we can actually sit in and acknowledge and address you know, what, what is different. Um, but at that, but by that time, like you said, but by that time you, the audience have developed a a unique bond with this character. You already, you either love this character, you hate this character, you, 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 you're in love with this character, right? Um, you've become invested and like, and, and that, and that aspect of your character, although is central, like, and because, you know, the, I, I don't, again, without giving too much away, like the scene when yeah. you're in, you scene when you're in the diner and, yes. you know, you're saying, you know, the things, the challenges that you face is like who you are, yes. you know, obviously it's central, it's central to you, but by yeah. that time we're invested, we're invested in the entire character, not, not in the, not in the, um, maybe like predetermined, uh, predetermined ideas of what we think a person yeah a little person is like, you know, yeah. where, you know, and, and yeah. And, and, so, and kind of the second answer that from, from that question is, I mean, it, it's, I am not interested in telling stories about being a little person. I'm mm. interested in, in, I'm interested in using what makes me unique to make whatever character I'm playing that much more unique. Yeah. And, yeah. and have it be central to the character, right? I mean, the, the whole the whole idea was so interesting. I, I um, I've done a lot of reflecting uh, recently because, you know, my career is is just starting to kind of um, after eight years in the city, it's, it's or seven years in the city. It's just it's starting to move in the direction that I've you know really have, I've been wanting to, to 
it to move for so long with mm-hmm. the film. And I have a couple of other really wonderful projects that I'm uh, blessed to be a part of. But it was interesting last night. I was I was reading this article from 2013 when I was in college um, because I had this whole little thing with with the Baltimore Ravens that happened um, when they went to the Super Bowl and and my uh, uh, college um, did a little workup on me. And uh, I was quoted, I was reading my words and somewhere almost 10 years ago, but it was like, you know, I want to go to New York and, and, and get work that is completely irrelevant, you know, make, make my, um, not make my stature or make who I am irrelevant, but have it enhance the story, right? Yeah. Like mm. I'm not, and I, I, and it was just, it was like, it was that moment of like, wow, you know, like I'm doing it, you know, like, I'm, mm, I'm yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I just had an interview last week where, you know, we were talking about, I, I'm just as an, as an audience member, not as an actor, but as an audience member, I'm personally, I'm not interested in diversity just for diversity's sake, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like the shows that I watch, like it, it's cool. Like it's great. And I'm happy for those, those people who are working, but I, I, as in terms of story, like I'm not interested in throwing in a, a, a marginalized person to have it be the token marginalized yeah. person. Yes. There has to be, it has to serve the story, right? Yeah. If it doesn't serve the story, it's not serving me as yeah. an audience member. So, so to your point, it's like any project that I'm a part of, of course, there's going to be an acknowledgement, right? Even subconsciously, forgetting yeah. like on the page, words on the page subconsciously that like I'm a dwarf, like I'm a little person, right? But past that second, it's like, okay, well, how does this person live in this world? Yes. What is yeah. he doing? Yeah. What is he doing? What's his job? I, what are his goals? What are, what, what is his life? How does he contribute to the story? Mm-hmm. And that's, if, an, if a writer and a director mm-hmm. and a produ- production can build that, that's what makes it really interesting. I'm I'm really curious about that side of things. So so I'm 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 a I'm an actor as well, and uh, and you know I, you know what I, sh- I shouldn't say I'm an actor. I I used to be an actor, and uh, and <laughs> you just had you just did a short not that long. Ago. Yeah, yeah, but that's just that's just fun shit on the side. But in it, one of the things that I found, one of the reasons why I I'm I'm no longer I no longer identify as an actor is because. Um, as much as I love that art so deeply, and as much as I, it was, it still to this day is probably my favorite form of creative expression. One of the things I fucking hate about the industry is, is that, um, that requirement to, to, to rely on somebody else, uh, rely on, on your ability to convince somebody else that you are the one that fits that role that they are trying to fill, right? And I just, I fucking, I hated auditioning. I hate the, it, I, I just, I, I don't think I had the skin for it. What's it called, like typecasting or something? Well, I mean, like trying to cast that's, yeah, it, but I'm, I'm not talking specifically about right. typecasting. I'm talking about like going into an audition, doing your best, and, and you know, them going, oh, you know what, um, he's the better actor, but this guy has blonde hair and that's, a, that's the better choice for this character. You know, like that right, stupid yeah, shit yeah. where you're like, okay, well fuck whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so my, you know, talking to you right now and, and what you just said there about, about, um, about the work that you do and, and not wanting to be the, the, the little person that was cast in the little person role, but more so the person cast in the role to, to, to tell the story Yes. Um, you know, I know that you you're you're a, you're a veteran off Broadway actor. You've 
you've done shows like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and, and New Amsterdam. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about the challenges that you've faced as an actor in, in convincing casting agents or convincing productions that are looking to fill a role that you could fit in that role that wasn't necessarily written as, yeah. you know, um, Tim, the character, is a little person. It's just Tim, the character. And yeah. so, like, how hard has that been over your career to kind of, to kind of find yourself landing gigs? Um, like, has, has your dwarfism prevented you from getting work, do you think? Yeah, well, this is a, this is a big question. Um, I, think, I think I live on the edge of the knife, right? And I have fell, I have fallen victim and I have been the the successor. Right. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, here's, here's the thing and I'll, I'll, I'll be fully transparent. Um, I I have a a dear friend uh, that I've looked up to for many years. We went to uh, uh, school together. His name's Aaron Fraser. Uh, He's a singer and and a percussionist in the band Duran Jones and the Indications, which is one of my, like, you know, pretty much my favorite band. Um, Um, I remember watching him, listening to him in high school at like the talent show and thinking my, you know, 16 year old self, he is undeniable, right? Mm, He is undeniably mm, good. mm -hmm. And my goal as an actor, right? When I, when I majored in college and when I moved to this city to see what I could muster, uh, the goal for me was always to be undeniable. Yeah. Period. I want you to go into the audition room and be so good that they cannot deny me. And if they deny me for that role or if they deny me for that project, they won't deny the fact that they cannot forget me mm. for a future project, mm. right? So it's not about going into the audition room and getting that role. It's not that no role is the be all end all. It's about being, it's about changing people's minds, Mm. It's about changing people's minds. I mean, for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I don't know if I should say this, but for the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I mean, I was they they were bringing me in for six months for all different roles, and I just wasn't getting it. It was fine. I was like, okay, well, one day it's going to work, you know. Like mm. they're 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 they're. I was undeniable. I went into the room and I was like, I'm going to give you something that you want, yes. whether it's in this role or the. And six months later, my agent said, "Oh, by the way, Amy Sherman's making a character for you in the show." Wow! Oh, so, so, so I mean, so and that's that's the goal, right? That's New Amsterdam. It was like it was a similar thing where I went into an I went into an audition for an understudy role in a theater production on Broadway. And the casting director was like, whoa, wait a second, you're not right for this, but oh my gosh, I'm casting this show on NBC. Come on in an audition. That's how it happened. And I've been <laughs> five years. So, so it's, it kind of works. It's so far it has worked out that way. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a, that's an incredible, that's an incredible mindset to have, like for, yeah. for, for just like to have that mindset, because I mean, uh, you're working in an industry where, where rejection is like, is, or, or like the, the successes, the, the, the yeses are the tip of the iceberg and the nose is everything underneath. Yes, I mean, yeah. like you yes. just go in for a thousand things well and, you, and you get one. And, yes. um, and, and so like the psychological torture that can come along with that is, is obviously immense. And to have that mindset is incredible. I'm, I, and, and, that's, and, and that's like, and I, when I hear that, I think like that's all a person can do. Like that's all an individual can do. Like you are the master of your own domain. 
you can't, that's a subtle Seinfeld reference. Um, you are the, <laughs> you're the master of your own domain. You can control you. Everybody outside of you is, is, is not under your control. And so you, you control that on the side of, on the side of casting directors. And I guess like the last, uh, like 10 or 15 years as we've undergone, like a lot of social change, like we've kind of mentioned earlier in the, in the show, um, I, I, I remember personally, I I would imagine that there's been a shift in the, in the ideas that the people that you can't control, the casting directors and the directors and the producers and everything have undergone where they have started to pay less attention to the like immediate thing that they might think when you walk through the door and they see that Matthew is a little person. And I think of, um, and I think of Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, and I re- and I remember I remember going undeniable, like what you said, like undeniable. Peter Dinklage fucking owns this role so hard, even though like a part of the character is that he's a little person, and that's and you know there's a whole bunch of stuff around that. Like, Peter, is there anybody? Is there anybody like Peter Dinklage or any other actors that you feel have like played a role in in? in sort of like forging a, like forging a path for other, for other pa- actors that are little people to like not have the same type of, um, I don't know, scrutiny or judgment placed upon them when they're going and, and, and trying to get acting roles. He's doing that right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Other than yourself. <laughs> yes. Other than yourself. Um, I mean, you know, coming up, it was, it was Peter Dinklage. I wrote, I wrote about him in my senior thesis. Um, he's, you know, he's, he, he's always been there, right? I've always been looking up at Peter mm-hmm. Dinklage. Uh, Mark Povinelli, I just, I met him a couple of months ago. He's a wonderful uh, actor. I, I also wrote about him in my senior thesis. Um, got to meet him. He's, he's done some really great work. Um, amazing guy. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, I think as my career continues to grow, um, I think I'm going to just have to grapple with this idea that, that, um, pop culture uh, and interviewers will always bring Peter Dinklage into the room mm. um, because he's the guy, right? Like it's just him. <laughs> it's it's it, which which really puts things into perspective. Yeah, uh, think about it, right? Like I go and I I can we can talk about about this world, and it's really just like you just have one one guy mm. in, in Hollywood that you can reference that most that most people can reference, and it's Peter Dinklage. Um, I am very, I acknowledge uh, that the work that he's done and and the path that he's paved, um, but I am uh, very focused uh, and very excited uh, on on creating my own path and and, um, not necessarily following in in his footsteps, but uh, honoring his his work of opening the doors that are now a little bit easier for me Mm. to to find my way in. but I, I'm I'm very excited to to kind of make make my mm. own career. totally and then and and so that and so that that like from what I'm hearing you say there is that like 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 a longing like not a longing maybe that's a strong word but but looking to a day where where that is just where it's name. not where you don't yeah. have one name yeah. or two names yeah. to look to that it's that mm-hmm. it is that there are a basket of of people that have that you can point to that say that they, yeah. they do great work like you can in like you like you could do in any in yeah well in for anything. decades it was for decades it was Sydney Poitier that's it 
That mm. was it for a very, very long time. Mm. Oh, do you want to look at what Sydney Party is doing? Mm-hmm. And that was it <laughs> for a while. And then slowly but surely, you know, the, from the work that he did, uh, he helped to open up and to unlock uh, the doors for, for you know, for uh, not just not just black people, but for for so many um, uh, marginalized groups, uh, mm. minorities um, over the, over over the past, you know, 40, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> this is just the beginning, right? It's yeah. it's it, we're we're in we're in the very early chapters of 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 all of this, and um, I also acknowledge that, and and I also um, I, I also appreciate the fact that I am having this interview in 2022 rather than 20 or 1932, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, so we're we're just so much of this is just ha- accidental. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, happy, happy accidents. I could have been I could have been myself and had my dreams and talents and, and pursuits in 1932. But the only stage that I would ever find myself in would be sideshows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, period. No matter yeah. how hard I worked. Right. So yeah. I'm I'm very grateful that that I'm I think I think the people who are able to go out and 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 make a dent in what they're trying to do. Um, not only are they talented and and hardworking and um, trailblazing, but they're also a a, a, um, a victim, not a victim. A, 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 they're also uh, they won the lottery ticket of when they were born, of when they yeah. fell in the, in the space time continuum, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of where they fall in in, in history. Um, yeah. So uh, I feel very, very, it feels very promising. The future feels very promising. Coda Coda just won the Oscar for best picture. That's right. Yeah. That's a big deal, right? That's, that's a, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, and, and thank fuck this interview wasn't, uh, it, it didn't take place in 1932 because, uh, <laughs> we probably wouldn't be podcasting if podcasting yeah. had been around. Yeah. Since yeah. Then, you know, we wouldn't like, be allowed. Fuck. We say things that <laughs> nobody wanted to listen to. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Matthew, I'm dying to ask you a little yeah. bit more about like the actual experience of, of growing up with dwarfism. And uh, the, the first thing that I, I have so many questions out in front of me here, but the first one that I'm, I'm curious to sort of just uh, pick apart for a second is, is something you said earlier, which was that you were diagnosed at one years old. Um, and uh, I, I, that actually surprised me when you said that. Um, I live with cystic fibrosis and, and I was diagnosed at, uh, at 18 months and uh, that makes sense to me. Like uh, CF is not, it's not a very visual thing. You, you know, it's, I don't walk around and people go, hey, that's the CF guy. You look like you have it. Like it's, it's very obvious on your face. Um, okay. uh, but with, with dwarfism, um, you know, the, the body is, is very different from, from um, uh, the majority of the bodies that are walking around. And so the no thing, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so is the, 
is that common to be diagnosed like 12 months into life or, um, you know, like when baby, like, you know, you just had a baby Taylor and Zaya is what, like a couple two of months. months, two months old now. Uh, see that? I said a couple of months. That's pretty yeah, fucking that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Good job. It's actually um, eight weeks. <laughs> okay. Well, Brian, shut the fuck up. Uh, and so, so, you know, like looking at Zaya, I look at, I was, I was holding Zaya last night at a bar and, and, uh, almost dropped her. If she, if, if <laughs> she, close. if she's living with dwarfism, I would have no idea. Um, so is, is, is it not common to, sorry, is it common for infants not to get diagnosed with something like dwarfism until, uh, they've had a little bit of time to like develop into their bodies or are there telling signs pretty early on or maybe even in utero where they can say definitively like, yes, this, your baby has dwarfism. Yeah. Um, it's a great, great question. Um, I think when I was born, I think when I was born, it was just like uh, uh, by observing, you know, how, how, how the baby developed and, and grew. Um, I mean, I may be way off, but I, I think in my recent conversation with Mark, who is the president of the LPA, Little People of America, um, now they're, they're, I think with technological scientific advancements, I mean, I think you can, like in, in utero, mm. see, like do genetic testing. And, mm-hmm. and, and if I'm wrong, if not in, in utero, then certainly, you know, in the first few days yeah of, yeah of life um, yeah, right. I, I mean they're doing uh, like we just we did ivf to have our baby and like i mean that whole scientific fucking process that occurs yeah. when you do that and then all the testing i mean you can they for sure like, know it yeah. is it is it is incredible what yeah. they what science can tell you is going on inside yeah. cells before they even Start, but before it even starts to become a per, right. a, per, a, 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 a human form, it's sure, crazy. Sure, sure. They can tell you how many wrinkles your ball sack will have when you're like forty years <laughs> they old. They probably can. <laughs> I mean, hey, maybe. Did you bring that up because you know that they can? I, yeah, I'm sure they can. Oh, you're sure. Oh, you're just confident that they can. Yeah, you're not positive. You're just, confident, guys. Dude, listen. In the last six <laughs> years, if there's one on. thing that I've learned, it's that. There are some really fucking smart people. Yeah, there are. this is planet. true. There are. Um, another question that I had, and this this actually came from a, a line in the movie. Um, uh, your character Peter had mentioned that he statistically uh, was going to die uh, with with a shortened life expectancy. Is that is that the case with you? Is is that something that I you're aware of? <laughs> um, uh, I I I don't I don't think that is true um i I think i think there's i think it's well documented you have little people living well into their 80s 90s um Mm. you know arthritis is going to be a huge part of my life i think Um, uh, it's not terminal um but um yeah i i hope that's you know that's why i've uh you know i'm an avid cyclist i'm a vegan um i i, I try to put my my body and myself in, in the best chance for long-term success mm. um, i'm also an avid cyclist i saw your setup it's pretty sick yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the big. I, I mean do you guys want to talk about cycling for a bit yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to piss you guys off. <laughs> hey, man. Honestly, uh, I, I'm cool with it now. I, I kind of find it interesting. Before we do, I just want to pick up on you. You mentioned that arthritis would um, is sort of like an, probably an inevitability for you. Um, I'm I'm curious about the other types of medical complications as a kid. If you've if if you had any, and also um, a convers- a question that we haven't asked in a long time to our American guests is is about the cost of mm. um, 
treatment and you know what it's what it's like when you get sick or have to go in for an operation or things like that so i'm curious if if that's of concern for you as well yeah. it's just amazing that you guys would be like oh yeah oh uh, in america oh our healthcare system still has a lot it's of got problems, some problems but but, hey, but yes at yeah. least it's free um, <laughs> um yeah. The, so the health complications, yeah, like I mentioned previously, I had a tracheotomy uh, when I was five months old and that I got that out when I was seven years old. Um, uh, and I would have routine surgeries uh, to check in on, on that when I had it. Um, I had a, a number of uh, or all orthopedic, right? All orthopedic surgeries, knees, uh, hips, strength, uh, um, uh, uh, straightening, uh, cause my, my legs were so bowed when I was a kid. Uh, so, you know, a lot, a lot of time in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, a lot of time in, in the hospital, a lot of surgeries. Um, I mean, I was, I was really on death's doorstep when I got my tracheotomy. I was like, you know, quite literally suffocating, um, to death. Uh, but other than that, you know, um, it, it, most of my complications growing up was just, it was orthopedic. It was, you know, mm-hmm. just making, making sure that I would be able to, to walk and feel good in my yeah. body. Um, and in terms of the cost, you know, I think I'm great, I'm thankful that my parents worked and I think they had good insurance um, that covered at least, I think, <laughs> I'll check in with my dad later. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten any bills. Um, um, but I think, I'm, I look. I'm. I'm sure they spent many, many thousands on me um, growing yeah. up. But I think. I think insurance definitely was in play. Is well, is that something that that like as as an actor? Um, do you, are you able to get insurance to cover and yeah, protect so, yourself? And right. So up until last year, I was for for years. I was on Medicaid, which is like. Uh, um, uh, insurance for people who are financially in, in some dire straits who, who, uh, and I was, I was on Medicaid for years, um, in, in living in New York city, New York Medicaid. Um, and, uh, you know, I was working for, 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 I was working for a doctor ironically, um, and as a survival job and, uh, which paid not nearly enough money to like live in this, exorbitantly expensive city mm, yeah. so I was on Medicaid for, for a long time. And it's just, you know, it, I, I moved in 2013, but it wasn't until, uh, last year around this time, actually last year that I was able to call my, uh, uh, SAG-AFTRA, which is the, the, the actors union mm-hmm. screen actors, uh, union, um, and be like, Hey, I, I have, you know, finally have a little bit of money in my, in my life. So let's get on insurance and, you know, I qualify for, for SAG insurance, which I've been on for a year and, and they've been so far, they've been really great. Um, yeah. That's gotta no be a big relief. Yeah. Um, yeah. you, when you, um, so, I mean, we're, we're sitting here with you now, we, you know, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about your, your career and, and like you're, you're so incredibly well-spoken and you, you're very, you're very thoughtful. And it sounds like your career is sort of like, catching this really great wave and you are, you're like, you're finding your trajectory with your career that, that you, that you really enjoy being on. And, and 
I think it could be. This I think is a it, weird segue into cycling. No, it's not even cycling. Not even cycling. Not even cycling. Not even cycling yet. Um, I I very much so did watch the time trial yesterday, and I liked how Jai Hindley totally stole the race. Totally stole the race on stage twenty. Um, uh, but <laughs> um, that like it could be very easy to think like. Oh my God, you're so well spoken, and you're, you got these your careers happening, everything, and and you know it seems like you, you you're you, you, that how many pro, how many how many like issues have have you had in your life? And I'm I'm wondering about in your in your like so in the in the social realm of growing up mm-hmm. and growing mm-hmm. up in school in a time that is not 2022 and mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings towards people who look yeah. and uh, look different it, yes. we're not we're not what they are now. Um, um, not that we're where we need to be, but that did you, what did you, what kind of like stigma, uh, did you face as a kid growing up? Um, you know, you said you experienced your, your tracheotomy, you've had surgeries and stuff like hospital visits are probably very, very familiar to you. What, what kind of impact did that have on your, your social life and how you existed in like school and friend settings and stuff growing up? Um, so I think I'm processing this now, uh, especially uh, in the past month as I've started to meet other uh, little people uh, really for the first time. I I made it, uh, I guess I made it a, a kind of a conscious choice to not, um, not put my dwarfism as the driving force for like the friends that I met or the people that I hung out with or, you know, like, for a lot of little people, uh, you know, the LPA meetings, like that's where, that's where they go to, to, to really like find their, their group their, mm-hmm. their to find their, their sense of community, mm-hmm. uh, which is great, which is, which is necessary. I just, it was, I, I did not take that, that fork in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and n- neither did my parents really, you know, it started with my parents and then I followed, but I, I went to um, a public school, uh, an international public school. Uh, until third grade. And I know that, I mean, I was really bullied there, you know, that there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, in your face, you're different, which is why my parents took me out and um, put me into a, uh, a private Jewish school called uh, Beth Tefilla, um, which was like a five minute drive from my house. And from there, from third grade to 12th, um, it was just like, I was just, so so loved and so supported i mean i i have found uh my community i found the best friends i found uh i just felt so so loved i was so 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 loved um and supported um you know they made me who i am um and it was there that i also fell in love with acting you know I mean, it all mm. really started at best of Phila. um and then like when I went out in the world, like I just had this like confidence, right? Like I just had this, this sense of belonging that I took with me after I left Beth the Villa. And I went to Towson University, which is I guess kind of the first real like exposure to like the outside world consistently. Um, and like there too, uh, it was just an amazing experience. The, the, the theater department, they were like, yeah, no, you're, you're great. I want to cast you. And they gave me some, amazing opportunities that, that, that further, um, proved that I was on the right track. Um, and I found more great friends and, um, still, you know, with very close to many of them today. Um, and then when I moved to New York, 
you know, I also kind of the first job that I did out of out of coming here it was a six hour show with like 50 cast members wow. uh, for okay. not a single penny. But I got some best friends and I got, you know, a sense of community in, in the city, which really helped because um, it's, it's very it can be a very lonely city. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like when I when I go out into the world and to this um interact with strangers, you know, like, of course, you know, I, I have, I have stares and, you know, the, 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 the side comments, like all of that is, is very much present and will always be, but in terms of like community and feeling like I was supported and a part of something, like, I mean, I was very, very lucky uh, mm. from like pretty, pretty early on from like yeah. 1999 to today. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was very, very supported. That's really, that's really, that's really awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I'm really happy that you, that you had that experience. And yes, and and right. I, th- I think that like, I think that's something that's 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 kind of like re- reoccurring over the course of this conversation is is a is a theme that has sort of weaved its way through the many years that we've been doing this show is is like the idea of of the thing that you live with is although central to you is not. It, you're not you're not fully defined by that. Like I know that you feel that way about your CF chair. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. CF is obviously a part of you. It plays a role in the way that like you wake up and go through your day every day of your life. But it's not like you are not CF and Matthew. Like you are not dwarfism. That like that you know you don't have to fit into like you, you like you said the the LPA. You know if if somebody if people feel like they don't have community, then obviously that would be a great place to go to find community because totally. there's people like minded like, like similar experiences that sort of thing. But that you don't have to. You don't have to just be in this box, and that you can um, you can live a life whatever your th- whatever your thing is. You don't have to be fully defined by that, although it is although it does inform the way that you go about your day to day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a really really horrible example, and I apologize, but it, it it's 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 poignant. You know, like OJ, he was uh, you know he had this incredible platform, um, and. A lot, you know, people in, in his in his community were really wanting him to like use it to like help open up more doors, and and he was like, "I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm OJ." Mm. Um, and again, obviously, it's not a great example, but I think there's something there in that he he was he wanted to be him, right? Mm. He, he he did not want, like you just said, like he did not want to be put in this box, right? Uh, for better or for worse, like yeah. he. he to be him and his journey and he wanted to make his life unique and I think that's uh, I think I mean that's that is what I really that's what I want to do um I don't want it to end up the way (laughs) the way (laughs) you don't want to end up in a Ford Bronco on the uh, on the 401 (laughs) getting chased hey a lot of a lot of eyeballs on tv though (laughs) there's some parallels uh no but you know like I I think I, I definitely resonate. And I think Peter Dinklage also, I mean, I think you asked him, I think, uh, similarly, I've never, I've never talked to him, but I, I get the sense too, that he, you know, he's, he's not, I don't think he's, you know, ingrained himself with LPA or he's, you mm. know, I don't think he's done many interviews or, you know, you know, um, really diving deep into his dwarfism because he's a fucking actor and he's talented and mm. he has a story to tell that is Tyrion or, you know, whatever mm. he's, he's playing. So, mm. um, Similarly, it's because like outside of the, because like outside of this conversation, which we've like carved out specifically to talk about this thing, like if I were to meet you in the world, 
I wouldn't have this conversation with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like, like yeah. we've carved this out specifically to talk about this. But if right. I were to like run into you and meet you and strike up a conversation, I wouldn't grill you. About, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't grill you about your life, your life living with dwarfism. Um, cause that's not, cause you know, it's, 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 you is so complex mm. and yeah. this and this one thing is unless not of course you of were you. like i really want to talk about my dwarfism and then sure in that case, yeah then let's do it yeah. <laughs> um i i want to ask you uh matthew a question that we ask most of our listeners um it's a two-part question so the first part is what would you say is the biggest thing that dwarfism has taken away from you cool So this is an interesting question. Um, and I, and at the risk of turning everything that we've talked about on, on its head, I've been thinking about this recently, especially after the film. Um, I think that being a dwarf or a little person or short statured, again, whatever I am, um, I think that it has removed the human community. Mm. Like I feel, I do feel like an alien, you know? Like I, I do feel, I do feel like I am, like I do not belong, right? Like I do not, like that there is not, um, what's it like emotional? Um, mm. I'm blessed for all of the, all of the friends and, and the community that I've built, but I, I think that dwarfism has taken away the opportunity to go out and walk in the world and feel like the world was designed for me. Mm. Do you, you know? mm-hmm. do you feel just to, I know you got another question there, Jared, but to follow up on that, do you, do you feel like if, if we were to create or envision like a utopian sort of, social structure where nobody from the day of your birth to the day you die has ever expressed any type of like judgment or like the the stairs aren't there, the side look, like none of that exists, like coming to you from the outside world. Do you think that, do you think that in that world you would still feel the same way just by the nature of, of, you can see that you are different from so many of the people around you? Like, do you think yeah. that it's all, do you think that that feeling comes, comes exclusively from the outside social structure? I know, I, I know, I know what you're asking. It, yeah. it's, it, it definitely comes from inside. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely comes from inside. Cause I don't, cause I, it's, I don't, it's not consistent enough, right? That outside pressure, like it's not consistent enough for me to warrant my feeling right. the way yeah. I feel all the yeah. time. Right? Yeah. Like, like, like I can go make dinner right now, but like, it's not designed for me. I need a stool, right? It's, mm. it's simple. Like there's no, it's no, there's no issue, but like, it's a reminder that like, mm. I'm not supposed to be like this, right? right. Like li- literally, on a on a literal fundamental cellular architectural level like i'm not i'm i was not 
my name was not written at this party, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my name card was not on the table of, of, of the guests at this party. I just showed up <laughs> and I decided to attend anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely internal. What would you say is the biggest thing that dwarfism has given you? Uniqueness. Unique. I mean, it, like I said, this this idea of this this double edged sword, like walking this like in in my career and in my personal life, it it feels very much that way. Like I can mm. I can feel everything that I just told you, but I can also go on the subway and look around and be like, I'm so fucking happy mm. that I am not just another like human like every yes everyone's unique but i really stick out you know like i'm different even and like we said even in the dwarfism community i stick out like i am i am i am i am quite different right i mean i just had this conversation at hss you know they were like you are you are like unique you are extraordinarily rare um Mm. and i um i love that you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love that about myself. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and of course, you know, bringing it back to my career, um, and, and this is also bringing it back to the double-edged sword, like, sure, I've been rejected for many roles because of, of my dwarfism, but you know what? Like, I have this secret weapon that I was born with that has allowed me to go into the audition rooms, and, like, I'm just memorable. Mm. Right. Like like it's much harder for a lot of my other actor friends who are just like cis white men who, you know, it, it's harder. It's harder for them. Like just mm-hmm. physically, it's harder for them to go into a room and like be um, and just stick out. Right. Yeah. And so with with what I'm able to give as an actor on top of my uniqueness, I think that's what really um is it works in my favor. Mm, awesome. It has worked in my favor. Yeah. Well, Matthew, man, I got to say, uh, even though you feel like you weren't invited to the party, I think I speak uh, on behalf of a lot of people that Love feel, having you. That yeah. feel yeah. like we're pretty <laughs> glad fucking glad up. you kicked that door in and invited yourself anyway, because uh, you are, you, this has been such a fucking treat to sit down and talk to you and get a bit of insight into your world and the, the work that you do. Um, we are, we're, we're, we're fans. We're big fans. I'm, I'm fucking You're undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. Undeniable. And, and I'm so, so excited to, uh, to pop back over to the couch and finish, uh, unidentified objects. Uh, folks, the, the film just had its world premiere at the inside out festival, um, in Toronto. And, uh, it is going to be going on to the Frameline film festival in San Francisco, followed by the Outfest film festival in Los Angeles. Um, it, it, how can people find you? How can people stay up to date with the work that you're doing? Uh, please just plug away. Um, you know, I have complicated feelings with social media, but I do have Instagram, uh, Matthew August Jeffers, Matthew August like the month, Jeffers, J-E-F-F-E-R-S. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Sick. Cool. Dude, thank you. Thank you for this. This has been so fun. It was mm-hmm. such a pleasure to meet you. Absolutely. Yes. Likewise, it was a really stimulating conversation. Great to meet you. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. 
First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.